Welcome to The Leader's Notebook with Dr. Mark Rutland. Dr. Rutland is a world-renowned leadership expert. He is a New York Times best-selling author, and he has served as the president of two universities. The Leader's Notebook is brought to you by Global Servants. For more information about Global Servants, please visit our website, globalservants.org. Here is your host, Dr. Mark Rutland. Here at The Leader's Notebook, I've tried to select interviews with people that I felt had something to add to your life. Somebody that had some insight, some experience, and some commitment to ethics and values that could add value to your life. Today's guest is one of those. Mr. Jim Blanchard has served as the Chief Executive Officer of Sonovas, a huge financial corporation based in Columbus from 1971 to 2005, and he became the corporation's chairman of the board. He has had a wonderful, wonderful career and continues to be a successful and influential leader in the business world. Jim, welcome to the Leader's Notebook. Thank you, Mark. I'm delighted to be here. You really have had a storied career. I want to ask you about something right at the very beginning. You finished at the University of Georgia, got your undergraduate degree in business, and then got a law degree from the University of Georgia and a hitch in the Army. And then you were plunged into senior executive leadership at the ripe old age of 29. You were selected as the top executive at Columbus Bank and Trust to succeed your dad. Was that intimidating, 29, to become the chief executive officer at Columbus Bank and Trust? Well, it really was. Uh, And Sis and I prayed a lot about it. We thought a lot about it. We debated the pros and the cons. Uh, actually, I had a, a number of peers uh, that I had gone to high school and college with that were working there, and I was just really thinking how difficult it might be to go in as the CEO uh, mm-hmm. from the beginning uh, after a very brief uh, career at the law. Uh, but uh, we decided that uh, really my skill sets or my natural uh, and spiritual uh, given gifts probably were better suited for banking than they were uh, even for the law. And just to uh, really directly answer that question, I went in with no timidity, but I went in with not a long agenda of change and aspirations and I went in uh, with a, a learning attitude. I went in with a desire to uh, listen and, and learn. And I think it uh, brought about an embrace and an acceptance uh, much quicker than it probably would have had otherwise. So uh, it was a short period of unease, but uh, it was definitely a, a tough decision and a difficult start to go in uh, at, at that age. You, you did what so many have to do. I interviewed uh, Mark Walker, who's now the president at Lee University, but he succeeded his father, the great Dr. Paul Walker at Mount Perrin. Then he succeeded Dr. Paul Kahn at Lee University. Um, I interviewed my own son, Travis, you know, who succeeded me as the president of Global Servants. And uh, yes. there, there is now, now the huge success of your own life on your own merits and everything. But what would you say to to young guys? Maybe it's not the easiest thing in the world to be the child of a really successful, well-known person. 
And do, do you have a word for those guys? Yeah, I think uh, embrace the strengths and the assets and the gifts that that gives you and be reluctant to be overwhelmed by some of the difficulties. Uh, and, and I focused on the strengths that I had because of my father and and I just didn't let the other part of it get to me or, or even uh, really sink in. Uh, I mean, for example, uh, every time early in my years I would say no to somebody, they would literally say to me, you'll never be the banker your father was. Oh, nice. And I just <laughs> smile and kind of, I didn't ridicule them. I didn't argue with them, but I just didn't let it bother me. And, uh, and I realized that so often in conflict, people are uh, looking for a way to pierce your armor. And uh, I think you just have to uh, let it bounce off and, and not worry about it. You know, I went to my son's church not too long ago, and afterward a man came up to me and he said, uh, when Travis came to be the pastor here, he said, I just was concerned. He said, I wanted him to come, but I was concerned he was just going to be Mark Rutland 2.0, and I didn't want a second stringer. And he said, but I want to tell you something, Dr. Rutland, Travis has found his own voice. Yeah. And and it made me so pleased, and it sounds to me like what, what James – H. Blanchard had to do was find his own voice at uh, at Sonovas. Well, I think that's right, and and uh, a period of listening and uh, learning uh, really really helped me uh, when the time came to experience my own voice, and and I, I think that's a great a great way of putting it. You know, I. I can look at all these things on paper here and people, I mean, I could read it to people that you, you have won the Georgia Alumni Merit Award for Distinguished and Loyal Service. You've been elected one of the 25 most influential people in financial services in America, selected as one of Georgia's trend 2003, Georgian of the Year, most respected CEO in 1997. But that's that's all on paper. I want to ask you, there must have been along this yellow brick road, there must have been some places where you thought, this is the worst thing I've ever been through. <laughs> oh, man. Well, I don't know that I ever got to the point where I thought it was the worst thing, but there are war times of stress and strain and, and even trauma and, uh, hard things that had to be dealt with. Tell me, tell tell us about one of those. Tell us something that you thought this one is a real deal. And how did Jim, how did Jim Blanchard deal with it? Yeah, I, I have one that jumps out uh, immediately. Uh, and that was a time where one of our very top executives had given a statement of fact on a matter that turned out not to be true. Oh. And it was not a question of what uh, had to be done, but it was a question of how it had to be done. And I decided to hit it on head on and just say it was a, it was a misquote. It was a mistake. It is not the fact. And the true fact is X, Y, Z. We set the record straight. 
And while coming forth with the truth was not hard, a hard decision to make, mm-hmm. but how to uh, present it in a way that showed true humility, genuine regret of the uh, mistake uh, was 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 not easy at all. And as it turned out, it was accepted and embraced. And I think what it did was it preserved a culture of forthrightness and honesty and integrity. And if had it been uh, neglected or let stand the way it was said, it could have put a serious dent in the credibility of our company and in us as the leaders of our company. And uh, it was just a great example of how doing the right thing is uh, so important, no matter what the difficulty is and no matter what the uh, impact is. You got to maintain your good name because in the final analysis, that's basically the the best thing we have. Brilliant, Jim. Don't don't you just wish that modern contemporary politicians could get their minds around, tell the truth when you mess it up, back up, clean it up, and just just man up in front of the cameras? Why why can't they do that, Jim? Well, I don't know. I mean, you raise a terrific question, and and I guess we all ask that. Uh, I guess they are afraid it's a sign of weakness mm. when it's a sign of strength and integrity. Uh, and the people of America are so forgiving. Generally, they 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 accept an apology and a and a statement of uh, regret, and and they give you a fresh start. And uh, it just is a mystery, I think, why, in particular, in the political arena. It's so difficult for them to do just what they ought to do. Jim, I've, uh, we've been friends. This is not for, in the interest of transparency with our listeners, Jim Blanchard and I are friends, longtime friends, fishing buddies. And so it's not a cold interview, but I, I want to say something. I've watched you in all kinds of situations. I've never seen you really angry or upset. I don't know if that skill set is missing in you. I, I, <laughs> I remember one time we were fishing and you leaned over to get something out of the boat and dropped an expensive telephone in the lake. Do you remember that? I do. And you, you, you acted like it was nothing. I, I wondered the fit that I would have thrown on that dock if I'd lost my phone. Are you, are you that? Calm in in high octane. You're on the you're on the board of some publicly traded corporations. I mean, are are you this even keeled guy all the time? Well, uh, I don't I don't want to sound self serving in answering this question, but I do not lose my temper. I do not get mad at people, and I am not insulted or offended. And I think the Bible says, uh, don't be easily offended. It uh, does. But but I had a, some good training as a lawyer. And let me tell you how it happened. I realized in a very difficult litigation that I was involved in, that if I got mad at the other lawyer for what he was saying and doing, 
that it wouldn't be long before I'd be mad at every lawyer in town. And that was a really a epiphany for me. And I, I think I just made my mind up if that's possible that, uh, no one was going to make me mad, and I wasn't going to transfer control of my emotions to anybody else. That I was going to, I was going to be in charge of them myself. And so, I guess uh, being able to endure something that could be offensive to others is just. She just kind of stuck with me and become a part of who I am. I will say this. I got better and better and better at it and really have uh, made very few uh, errors with that situation as my faith grew even deeper. And I realized that operating in business and with my family and in the community with my natural gifts only, was not nearly as effective from a purely performance standpoint and business standpoint as it was once I embraced the power of the Holy Spirit and the all of the what I like to call the bullets that the gospel makes available to a Christian that we can be fully loaded in our gun and in life and and so I mean, literally, I <laughs> all the listeners, the book was God is my co-pilot, but he, he was more than that. I had him in the left seat mm. uh, in my life, and I was over in the right seat, and uh, it's just made all the difference in the world. And I tried it both ways, Mark, and uh, the, the uh, relationship with the Lord Jesus in your life. And the power of the Holy Spirit makes a big difference. And so when you decide you're going to do something uh, and you have that power working in you, I mean, the Bible says it's the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. I mean, how are you going to underestimate that as your <laughs> helper? <laughs> you know, I, I hope every business leader that's listening to this is hearing this. This is so important. And, and I think... I think really it is hard for guys, people in the business world to to get their mind around it. I, th- I think they're afraid that if they come out for Jesus in high octane, high, I mean, you travel in some serious, serious levels of altitude and velocity, and you have never, ever, not that you make a show of it, but you've never backed away or accommodated anybody on the issue of faith. And I think guys are afraid if they do that, people are afraid if they do that, that somehow they can't succeed in business. Well, I've got a favorite saying, and let me share it with you at this point, because I think it is so impactful to the business person who may have those concerns. And it involves John Jay, who was the first Supreme Court Justice of the United States Supreme Court, appointed by George Washington. What people don't realize about John Jay is that he was also the governor of New York, and he was the ambassador to Spain. And when John Adams wanted to appoint him for another term as uh, the Supreme Court Chief Justice, 
he said he declined because he wanted to be president of the American Bible Society. Wow, I never knew that. Most of us don't know that. And I didn't. This guy was a founding father of the highest degree. But what he said was that no human society has ever been able to maintain both, get this now, maintain both order and freedom apart from the moral precepts of the Christian religion. Now, when he says moral precepts, I don't think he's talking about salvation and heaven and the things that we value as our in our faith that are eternal. Uh, I think what he's talking about is what you and I would refer to as the Judeo-Christian ethic. Yes. And the Judeo-Christian ethic is the moral fiber that runs through the Old Testament and the New Testament. And it's the ethic that this country was founded on, and it's the ethic that I think controls the businesses of people who are seeking righteousness and honesty and integrity and and even success and value creation. But when you live a moral life and you don't cross the line for any reason, what you find is that your business is in order and it is freedom in the in the greatest sense for the people that work there, the people that do business there. And and so anyway, I just think this whole Judeo Christian ethic is is the base under which uh is the best way to run a business and the best way to be successful. When you start cutting corners and you start saying things that aren't true and you don't correct them, when you mistreat people, when you think, you know, it's all about you, uh, your own selfishness, all these things that are uh, the opposite of what we learn as the moral value system of the Bible, then that's when your career is cut short, your success diminishes, and you end up having to dodge bullets and and stay out of trouble and so anyway that's that i and let me just say this mark one last thing it was very common for me for 35 years as ceo to bring my bible to our uh executive meetings and and sometimes they numbered in the you know eight to eight hundred to a thousand when we'd have a, a tuesday morning meeting i'd read scriptures and people would say, yeah, but how do you do that with a public company? And my answer was, I never gave an altar call and I never passed the collection plate. That's good. But I did espouse as the culture of our company the ethical value system contained in the Holy Bible. Beautiful. Beautiful. It's the only way to, only way to run a business. In 35 years, I had one complaint. One only. Wow. That's it. And so, and it was mild, and and the lady that complained was a Jewish person, and we had prayed in the name of Jesus that day to start the meeting, and she said it wasn't fair, and I said, but Susie, that's who we are. And she smiled and said, I know it. I know it. It's okay. 
That's the one complaint in 35 years for espousing biblical truths. Jim, I, I've had more complaints than that before noon in some of the churches I pastored. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, thank you for letting me share that part. Oh, I'm so glad you did. It's so meaningful to me as far as all of this leadership uh, principles and business. And, you know, the Lord says it's a narrow way that we choose. But the narrow way is the best way. And it, it's not only for eternity, but it's for the abundant life here, which is more than material things in abundance, but it's abundance in all things that matter. I heard you say something one time at one of our leadership forums, and you said, servant leader, I wrote it down. I found my own notes. Servant leadership is a worthy goal unto itself. Yes. And we run our company this way because it's right. I always thought that was a great quote. Well, I thank you. I, I really do think it is right. And I've always said you don't run a company most effectively with rules. But if, if I had to pick a rule, it would be the golden rule. Mm-hmm. And that's the only rule you need. If you treat other people the way you would want to be treated, then things work better. It just, things turn out right. Jim, you've you've had a a phenomenal career. I mean, really a a business career that would, that is enviable. Anybody at any level can see that. And, and you've walked with in the halls of power. Uh, But I want to ask you now something. You're, this is something I try to ask at the end of every interview I do on the podcast. Suppose you could speak to every leader, business, um, in the church, church leaders, pastors, politicians, uh, sports figures. You could speak to them all at the same time, but you could only tell them one thing. What what is the thing that you would share to them with them about becoming the leader that they that they want to be? The one thing which I, I would really hate to be limited to just one thing. (laughs) But the one thing would be overcome your own selfishness. It's so sad when I see people who still think it's all about me. Mm. It's all about themselves. And leaders that have overcome their own selfishness are leaders that other people will follow no matter what the cost. That's what a uh, soldier's general is. Yes. They, they, they'll charge the hill for that general because they know that he has their back and he's more interested in them than he is his own agenda or own career. And then probably I'd add to that what I call the definition of leadership. And it's Micah 6.8. Probably every viewer you got listening to this podcast knows that. But it says, what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. I think that's the definition of a leader. And that's a leader that has come to peace with themselves about their own selfishness and realized it's not about me. 
Jim, I don't know how to thank you for giving us this time here on the Leader's Notebook. Uh, we got to get together and go fishing again, my friend. I'm all for it. I've got a lake for us. We just got to find a date. And, you know, uh, March and April are coming, and that's as good as it gets. So let's let's make it happen. As soon as I hang up, I'm heading to the parking lot. <laughs> <laughs> Mark, I love you and Allison. It's so much fun to talk to you, and I miss seeing you. And I, I do look forward to uh, a gathering soon. Absolutely. Give Sis my best. Thank you very much. To all of you that have been listening, you've just heard the voice of one of America's truly successful people who has shared the uncompromised commitment of his life to Jesus Christ. You don't have to hide your Christianity in order to find your success. Thank you for listening today. Until we meet again, this has been The Leader's Notebook, and I'm Mark Rutland. You've been listening to The Leader's Notebook with Dr. Mark Rutland. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review today's podcast. You can follow Dr. Rutland on Twitter at Dr. Mark Rutland or visit his website, drmarkrutland.com. Join us next week for another episode of The Leader's Notebook.